Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, my name's Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at VC, uh, and it's just an exciting day to be at church today. So glad that you're here. Uh, we're going to jump right into our message this morning uh, about arrows. Um, I'm titling this message, Future Proof Your Family. Future Proof Your Family. Uh, I came across an article uh, gosh, it's been years ago, probably, but uh, it was a fitness article. It was online. Uh, it was an online magazine kind of thing, and, and I came across this, uh, this thing about preparing for a race, and the reason I was reading it, I am by no means a fitness expert. I am far from it. I, like many of you, have some extra that I probably need to get rid of. Hello. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, I, was, I was getting ready for a race. I've run a few. I've done a a handful of 5Ks. What I really enjoy doing are, are fun runs, like mud runs and obstacle course races. I've done a bunch of those short distances. Um, I've done a couple of tough mudders. Those are fun, uh, especially if you do them locally, like the one out north of Richmond is kind of easy. And so if you're looking to do a tough mudder, do that one because there's not that many hills. But then I've also done a Spartan race, and I did it in western Virginia on a ski resort. That was torture. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And um, as I was getting ready for one of those, I came across this article. And it was about finishing strong. It was about finishing well. And there was this quote that, that this article said about finishing that is just, it's such good advice. I mean, it's just so good. In fact, I got it on the screen. I want you to check this out. This is what the article said. If you want to finish well, you have to decide what kind of finish you want. If you want to finish well, if you're, if you're running a race and you're running a 5K or you're doing a Tough Mudder or, or you're running a marathon, whatever you're doing, whatever race you're doing, if you want to finish well, you have to decide beforehand what kind of finish do you want. Because here's the deal. If you're doing a race, it's real easy. Trust me. I, I've, like I said, I've done a handful of things, and I know this. It's so easy to start out too fast from the gate. Like, like I did a 5K one time that I wanted to set a new personal record 5K, right? And so the first mile, I was just, I ran the first mile faster probably than I've ever ran a mile in my entire life. And then mile two was a little bit slower. Mile three, I was starting to, and after mile three, I was pretty much, I was running probably the slowest race I'd ever run at, between mile three and the conclusion of the race because I started out too fast. I, I, I pushed myself too, too hard at the beginning, and I let other runners dictate how, I, how fast I would run. And it's real easy to do that. So you got to decide before the race ever starts, okay, how do I want to finish? Do I want to do I want to finish? Do I want to come to the finish line with nothing in the tank, just just dragging myself like just and then get to the finish line and just collapse and have to be like rushed to the hospital? Or do I want to cross the finish line strong, getting stronger? Do I want the last leg of my race to be the best leg, and I'm getting stronger and stronger, and I cross the finish line, and I still feel human, and I can celebrate with the people who have been cheered me on? Like, what kind of finish 
do you want? If you want to finish strong, here's what the article said. If you want to finish strong, you have to set a rhythm. You, you, you got to set a rhythm, a pace. You don't, want to, you don't want to go too fast. You don't want to go too slow. You want, to, you want to get in rhythm. And so getting ready for this message, I looked up the word rhythm. And here's what I discovered. I just typed it on my computer and right-clicked it and said, look up. And this is what it told me. It said, rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. It's a rhythm. It also said, see also what most white people have little of. Rhythm. I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church that didn't let people dance. And, um, and, and, and so, like, my friends would say, hey, can you dance? And I would say, put on music and we'll find out. I don't know. Never mind. I don't know if y'all know this, but we got a coffee bar when you come in. You can caffeinate yourself. That was funny. Thanks. Like, I don't know. Do you have rhythm? Can you move to the beat? Then, yes, you can dance, right? But, but, but the thing is, the, 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 this, this racing advice is not just racing advice, man. That's good advice for life. If you're going to finish strong in life, you got to decide before you get to the finish line, what kind of finish do you want? What kind of, when you get to the end of your life, what kind of finish do you want? You see, me, I want to get to the finish line, and I want people to celebrate me as a man who, who loved God, who was just, who pursued God, who loved God like David was a, was a man after God's own heart. Like, I want people to know me as a man who loved God. I want people to know me as a man who loved his wife. For, for every day between, between meeting and saying I do, although we didn't do that in the same day, but you get what I'm saying, between that day and our last day, I want people to say he was, he was completely in love with his wife, devoted to her. He loved his kids. He loved his family. And he just passionately pursued Jesus until the very end. Like, that's the kind of finish I want. And because I know the kind of finish that I want, now I can set the rhythm for my life. I can, I can get in rhythm. That's why I'm calling this message future-proof your family. Because if you want to future-proof your family, if you want, if you want that, that arrow to hit the bullseye, you've got to find the rhythm of life. And you've got to decide now what kind of finish you want. Because when you decide what kind of finish you want, you get so much clarity on the life you need to live right now. I want to live the life that will get me to the end I want to have. And so I've got to, I've got to set the rhythm. In order to future-proof our families, we have to set the rhythm. Now, parents, those of you who are parents in the room or, 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 or grandparents, you know, whatever that looks like for you, uh, foster parents, step-parents, whatever that, adopted pa parent, people who are in charge of their family, that's your job. Like, that's your job. There's, there's a built-in beat to how God wants your family to function. There's a cadence to life, an ebb and flow. You see, God, our, our God, our creator, our redeemer, our friend, he is not a God of chaos and confusion. He, God gets no glory when your life is cray-cray. 
God is not glorified by you running around crazy, feeling like you're completely unhinged and, and, and you don't know what's going on. No, no, no. God is a God of, of order and, and God is a God of, of, of rhythm, ebbs and flows, moving to the pace that he sets for us. And so in this series, we launched out of Psalm chapter 127. 127. We read the whole chapter. Uh, you stood while we read it, and that was really awesome. Uh, but what we said is that in this chapter, what we see, uh, kids are arrows. We said that. Check. Kids are arrows. If kids are arrows, that means, uh, parents, you are warriors because you've got, a, you, you've got arrows in your, in your quiver, and you're firing them at the target. And we said, well, what's the target? We said, Jesus, the kingdom of God, that's the bullseye. That's where we're aiming for. And, 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 and we got all of that really from verse 4. And what we want to do today is I want to back up, and I want you to see how rhythm is essential in life. You've got to set the rhythm. Check out what Solomon says. That's who wrote this psalm, Solomon, uh, wisest guy who's ever lived. God said, hey, Solomon, ask me for whatever you want. And he said, I want wisdom. And God said, that's a really good choice, Solomon. The way to go. I'm going to give you that plus all kinds of other stuff. And so uh, Psalm 127, verse 2, check out what he says. He says, it is in vain that you rise up early. Somebody say amen. Mm. Solomon, you are preaching, brother. Go. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. How many people like sleep? Come on, let me hear you. Say amen. I can't see your hands. I, yeah, I'll, let that be so, God. All your promises are yes and amen. I'll take that. You give to your beloved sleep. What, what Solomon says is there's a natural rhythm to life. There are those of us in the room who are early birds. We are those who like to get up early. I don't understand these people. They don't need coffee to function as a human being. Like, that's not me. I don't understand it at all. They wake up, they're bright-eyed, they spring out of bed, and they're just ready to go. I don't get those people, right? But th there are some of you that are like that. Our um, uh, uh, Michael Dougherty, uh, many of you know he's one of our drummers here. He's that way. Like, he Instagrams at 4 o'clock in the morning this screenshot of his phone. I'm like, bro, get off Instagram and go back to bed. All right, he gets on my nerves, but don't tell him that. Anyway, he's on vacation. I hope he's sleeping this morning. Anyway, some of us are early birds. Some of us are night owls. Some of us, like, we don't get going until midnight, you know? And, like, like the clock strikes midnight, and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm feeling good. Let's, let's do something. Let's create something. Let's, let's, let's play something. Let's, like, do, let's, let's get together and, like, come on, this is great. And you don't get up. Like, like, for you, if you get out of bed before 10 a.m., that's early. Right? It's like, oh, man, I'm just waking up. Man, it's like afternoon. That was, that was everybody as a teenager, right? Like, they just... I could sleep. I could sleep till like one or two in the afternoon, but I'd stay up till like four or five. But uh, but but some of us, some of us are early birds. Some of us are are night owls. I can. One of the things that happens as a parent is is if you have a kid who is an early bird, it can kind of force you into that area. You know, like the, I feel like that's kind of happened to me. Uh, I'm I'm uh, default. I'm a night owl. 
But now I'm kind of, you know, as I'm getting older, I feel like I'm kind of being shoved into early birdness, you know? Uh, like, like I, I can function as a human being, but I got to get to the coffee pot first. And if I know I've got to get up early, I'll actually, like, we spent the extra five bucks to get the coffee pot that automatically like, sets the timer and will brew it for you in the morning. So I'll set it to brew like 10 minutes before I get up so that, so that when I have to get up, I'm like, okay, I know there's coffee in the kitchen. If I can just make it to the kitchen. But I've also been that guy, like, how many of you have been that person that's like 2 a.m. Netflix, what am I doing with my life person? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're watching Netflix, and it's like, wait a second. It's like 2.30 in the morning. I got to get up in three and a half hours. Like, oh my God, I got to go to bed. I've been that guy, too. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's what Solomon says. Solomon doesn't say that it's, that it's bad to be an early bird or a night owl. Because it's real easy to assume that whatever you're not is wrong. Because if you're an early bird, then you're like, oh, you night owls, you need to get up because you're lazy. You know? But if you're a night owl, you're like, well, you just, Grandpa, is like going to bed at 7 p.m. Like, what are you doing? Solomon doesn't say either one of them are bad. What, what does he say? He says, he says to get up early and stay up late. Well, that will lead you to eating the bread of anxious toil. And I don't know what that is, but it does not sound good. <laughs> Solomon, says, Solomon says, listen, if you constantly get up early and stay up late, you're going to mess your life up because that's not the rhythm of life. And we know this, right? Like, how many articles have we read about the dangers of, of not getting enough sleep? Like, like I don't get enough sleep because I'm laying awake worrying about not getting enough sleep. Because it's all over the place. I googled it, and here's what I discovered. Here, here are some medical conditions caused by lack of sleep. Decreased memory. What? Huh? I don't remember you telling me that. Well, you probably need to take a nap. Weight gain? Hello? Like, we're, we're so busy trying to lose weight when God says, hey, if you just get some sleep, maybe you wouldn't gain that weight. Skin aging prematurely? That's a, that's a condition caused by lack of sleep. Forgetfulness? Did I already say that? <laughs> it, gets, it, get, it gets more serious. Lack of sex drive? Hello? Heart disease, so it does ratchet up a notch, okay? But, but listen, here's the deal. None of that is how God wants you to live. Not, none of those describe the abundant life that John 10.10 10 talks about. None of those would Jesus say, I came to give you life and life with skin that ages before you do. <laughs> no, God does not want that for you. So Solomon says, listen, early bird, night owl, doesn't matter. Just pick a team. Just pick a side. Like, don't try to be both, because if you live your life burning the candle at both ends, you'll have less candle and old skin before you should, right? Like, just don't do it. So, same guy, Solomon. He, he, he was praying a prayer uh, as they were dedicating the temple in the Old Testament. This is from 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56. Same guy that wrote Psalm 127 wrote this prayer, and as he's praying, he says these words that are just so... Good when we start thinking about, okay, I gotta find the rhythm. Check out what he says. Psalm or 1 Kings 8, verses 56 through 58. He says, Blessed be God who has given peace to his people Israel, just as he said he'd do. 
Not one of all those good and wonderful words that he spoke through Moses has misfired. Nothing God has ever promised you will misfire. Solomon continues, he says, May God, our very own God, continue to be with us just as he was with our ancestors. May he never give up and walk out on us. And then look what he says uh, near the end of this section. He says, he says, may he keep us centered and devoted to him, following the life path he has cleared. And look at this, watching the signposts, walking at the pace and rhythms he laid down for our ancestors. How beautiful is that? God wants you and I to walk at the pace and the rhythm that he lays out for our lives. Now, here's the deal. I can't tell you what your rhythm should be. I don't know. I do not know your God-designed, custom-designed rhythm and pace for life. Maybe you're a, you're a hip-hop beat, and I'm a rock and roll beat, and somebody else is an EDM beat, and another person is a country beat. Maybe you clap on the one and three, and I clap on the two and four. I'm right. You're wrong. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> don't clap on the one and three. It doesn't work. Two and the four, two and the four. Two. Watch the drummer when he hits the snare. That's when you clap. Anyway, <laughs> you want to you, you walk according to the rhythm God sets out for you. Or like Solomon says, you'll eat the bread of anxious toil. And so I can't tell you what your rhythm should be, but I can tell you a few things that need to be in rhythm. Does that make sense? Do that, that, you understand what I'm saying? I can't tell you what your rhythm should be. I can't give you your, 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 your BPM. I can't set your metronome. I can't dictate your pace. But I can tell you this morning there are three things. If you're going to future-proof your family, you don't have to listen to me. You can live a train wreck if you want. That's your decision. But if you're going to future-proof your family, you've got to have these three things in rhythm. I don't know what the rhythm is. But these three things have to be in rhythm. And they all start with R. Everybody say R. R. Like Pirate Day. We are off the rails this morning. Here we go. Three things that have to be in rhythm. Number one, routine. There's got to be a rhythm to your routine. Your, your routine. Everybody say this with me. Pastor Brian mentioned this a second ago. I want everybody to say this with me. Say, I am in charge of my calendar. Say that. I am in charge of my calendar. All right, I'm going to ask you to do that again with feeling, because some of y'all are like, I am in charge of my calendar, you stupid idiot, you don't want to right? like, Everybody, like with feeling, I am in charge of my calendar. I am in charge of my calendar. You're not in prison. You ain't on it. You're not a prisoner. You may feel like you have no choice. You may look at your calendar and be like, I'm so overbooked, I have no time. And I want to as sensitively, but as as frankly as I can, let you know, if you're overbooked, that's your fault. That's, that's your fault. Nothing gets put on your calendar without you putting it there. Well, you just don't understand because you're a pastor and you only work one day a week. I would first say, that's very rude <laughs> and insulting. Why don't you hang out with me and see how much I work? But anyway, Moving on, I would say, I, if, you, if, if I looked at your calendar, I probably would say, you know what? You are tremendously busy, but you also have the exact same amount of time every day as every other person on the planet. None of us, 
Not one person on the planet gets 25 hours in a day. We don't, unless it's leap day, right? Or well, no, not leap day, the turn the clock back day, whatever that is, daylight saving day. But then they take it away. Like we're going to take it away, or we're going to add it here in a, in a couple weeks. So yes, in a couple weeks, you'll have a day of 25 hours. Congratulations. But in the spring, you're going to have one with 23. So figure out how to deal with that. None of us. And here's the deal. I thought about this. I thought about this. We have the same amount of time in our day as Abraham Lincoln had in his day. As Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulb, had in his day. As Martin Luther King Jr. had in his day. We all get 24 hours, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year if you're on the kind of calendar that we're on. None of us are exempt from that. But it's real easy to believe that, like, my cross is the heaviest, my cup is the fullest. But I just want to lovingly say, you are not the exception. You're not. You get 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How you use those days, that's your problem. It's not that you don't have enough time. It's that you might not be the best manager of your time. Because, see, here's the deal. Time is a zero-sum game. Meaning, time is like a pie, like a big, big apple pie, right? When you cut, when you take a slice out of the pie, there's less pie. That's how time works. It's a zero-sum game. You can get to zero in your time. When you cut into the pie of time, what remains is smaller. So here's the deal. Week one, we said the, the, the target, the center of the target, the bullseye, is to seek God first, to seek God and his kingdom, his righteousness, and everything else comes after that. God first, everything else after. The problem is that's not how most of us live. Most of us don't live that way. Most of us, if we're thinking about an apple pie, most of us will slice that pie up, serve all the other plates, and then look back and see, well, where's God's part? i got to find God's part here. And when, and when you do that, what, what you're doing is you're serving God the leftover pie. Now, we claim, we claim, oh, no, God's first, uh, God, God matters, God's number one, but it's not reflected where? In our routine. And it has to be reflected in our routine. God's first. Okay, show me where God gets his slice first. Show me. Let, let's look at your, where does God get his slice first? See, God is often served with the leftovers, and I can prove it to you. When you get busy, the first thing you cut church. Oh, gosh, my toes are hurting. <laughs> when you get busy, the, when you get busy, well, we can't go to church this weekend because we're just so busy. I, I'd, love, I'd love to sign up for discipleship track, but I'm too busy. I'd love to go to night of worship, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy for prayer night. None of the other slices of your pie can save your soul, right? Like, you know that. None of the other slices of the pie can store treasure in heaven where moth will not destroy. None of the other slices of your pie can make you look more like Jesus, can help you build an epic marriage, can help you raise your kids. But I'll slice up the pie and give everybody else their slice first, and then I'll look and see if I have room for God. And if I don't, well, God's pie will get cut first. He'll get left out. 
Well, but you don't understand. I'm so overstrapped. Listen, we have a, a thing that we say here. We borrowed it from Andy Stanley at North Point Church in Georgia. It's a really great saying, and we use it all the time. So he, he says this. He says, uh, a relationship with Jesus will make your life better, and it'll make you better at life. We say that periodically from time to time. Here's the deal. I'm so overstrapped. I've got so much going on. What if you cleared some of the space, served God's pie first, and approached all of that stuff as a better version of you? This is how we talk about giving. This is how we talk about tithing. We say that 90% with God is better than 100% on my own, meaning when I give God the first 10%, he actually empowers the other 90 to go further. So what if you gave God the first part of your calendar and watched as he empowered you to navigate all of the other things that have you stressed out right now? that have you overstrapped, that have you pulling your, 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 your hair out. So here are some practical takeaways on how to get your routine in rhythm. Number one, give God your first moments of the day. Give God your first moments of the day. Psalm 5.3 says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay down my request before you and I wait expectantly. Well, I'm not a morning person. I'm a night out. Hey, 1 p.m. is still morning if it's when you're waking up, right? Like... <laughs> Just the first piece of your day, before your feet hit the floor. Lord, today I just give you this day. Wherever my feet take me, whatever my eyes see, whatever my ears hear. Lord, let me filter it all through my relationship with you in Jesus' name. And that's it. Like, just give him that first moment of the day. When you go downstairs, you, 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 you grab your cup of coffee before you turn the TV on and watch SportsCenter, before you turn, like, get the kids up, just sit down, take a, take a minute, and just say, like, open your Bible app and read the verse of the day and then pray it. Just pray through that verse. Lord, I pray that the words of this scripture would just be realized in my life today. I surrender to you all of my decisions, God. I want to put you first and foremost. Amen. And just start your day. Give God the first moment of your day. Uh, number two, begin each new week by gathering together before being sent out into a world that needs the love of Jesus. Like that's the purpose of church is to come here, not, not to just come here and enjoy this. No, but to get charged up and amped up to go into Monday with purpose and life. So many people hate Mondays, but I like to say I've been made for Monday because God has work for me to accomplish, but i got to be filled up before I go out. Making a goal. Making a goal in your, in your family. Here's number three. Making a goal in your family to have dinner at home around the table three times a week. Three times, well, that's impossible with my schedule. Change your schedule. Change your schedule. You might not be able to change it this week, but when on the calendar are you going to set the goal and start evaluating what you're involved in and say, this is the goal, dinner at home, three times a week, with everybody, TV off, phones off, we're just sitting around there connecting. Yeah, but I've got a two-year-old and they throw food all over the place. I don't care. Get in the routine now. Get in the routine now. Uh, let, me, let me share some research I found about this, this very thing exactly. Check this out. We so, like this isn't this isn't like a Christian psychologist. This is just a PhD research study. For school-aged kids, regular dinner with the family at the table is a more powerful predictor of high achievement scores than check this out than time spent in school, than doing homework, than playing sports or doing art. 
You mean to tell me if I just have dinner with my kids three times a week at the table, I don't add anything else to it that my kids will perform better in school? Yes. Yes. That's, what the, that's not me. That's the research. That's people a lot smarter than us, like, figuring that stuff out. It, I've got adolescents. What about teenagers? Cool. Adolescents who eat family meals five to seven times a week are twice as likely to get A's in school as those who eat dinner with family less than two times a week. Well, it will change everything about my life. Yes. You're a warrior. You have a limited number of arrows, and you want to get them to the target. Yes, it'll change everything about your life. Prayerfully choose what extracurricular activities you let inside your home. Mom and Dad, you're the gatekeeper. It's not a good idea when the tail wags the dog. You're the one who decides what gets put on the calendar. So what's the beat? What's the cadence? Listen, not everything you can do should you do, and a lot of times the good is the enemy of the best. So what's the rhythm of your routine? Number two, rest. What's the rhythm of your rest? The Lord lays it out perfectly clear in Scripture. Six days of work, six days of routine, one day of rest. When are you resting? I'm not telling you, like, some people are like, I just need to rest all the time. I just need to enter into a season of rest where I do nothing for, like, seven years. God didn't call us to do that. That's, that's heaven, okay? Like, that's, that's the eternal rest, all right? You're ready to transition into the next life. Six days of work, one day of rest. What's your routine for us? And I'll be honest, this is the hardest thing for me personally because I am hardwired for work. I find work to do, like all the time. We were at my son's swim meet yesterday, and I was taking some trash to the trash can, and I stopped and started picking up trash on the ground that wasn't even my family's. Like, I'll find work to do. And so I get it. I understand that it's real hard to enter into that, that rest. I'll find work on vacation. I'll find work at a fast food place. I'll start wiping down other tables. What's wrong with me? Don't judge. You got issues too. And, and the deal is, like, for me, the way my brain thinks, man, Sunday's always coming, and people are dying every day without knowing Jesus. And so, but, but still, that doesn't exempt me from rest. Check this out. Ecclesiastes, same guy. Remember I told you Solomon was brilliant. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Check, check, check this out. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. See, some of us, some of us live our life with our axe, and we're just, we're just, uh, I'm going to get this tree down. I'm going to get it down. Uh, hey, bro, if you'd actually stop and sharpen that blade, you'd get that down a lot easier. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to get it down eventually. Uh, and we just like, we, 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 we destroy ourselves trying to cut down the tree when if we would just stop and be wise enough to not work, but to rest and let the Holy Spirit sharpen our blade, it wouldn't be as hard. We, we have to live with margin in our life. We can't, we can't live to the edge of the pavement. We have to live with margin. Uh, the, the, the U.S. Uh, archery coach, because the whole series is about arrows. The U.S. archery coach um, talked about uh, how archers, most archers know very little about breathing. Very little about breathing. 
And he said, if, if, you know, if you know about breathing, it can actually give you a leg up on your competition. Because breathing, when you breathe right as an archer, it calms you down. When you, when you can take a deep breath, and you're not just taking a bunch of shallow little breaths, you take a deep breath and fill your body with oxygen, it steadies your aim at the target. The moral for us is in order for us to shoot arrows, we might need some breathing room in our homes. We need, some, we need, we need a routine to our rest. I had a professor in seminary say, either you take a Sabbath willingly or you're forced to take one reluctantly. Either you take it willingly, or God will put you on your backside and make you take it. But you got to have a rhythm to your rest. A rhythm to your rest. Number three, last one. And this one is just for the, just for the uh, well, for everybody. Number three, romance. Mm-hmm. you got to have a rhythm to your romance. you got to date your mate. If you're married, date your mate. Pursue the one you've already caught. You've got to have a rhythm to your romance. You know the number one sermon every year online at Vertical Church has been for the last five years anyway. It's a sermon that I preached in a series called Unhappily Ever After. It was about mar- the whole series was about marriage. And the sermon was called An Open But Not Awkward Sermon on Sex and Marriage. Every year, it's the one that gets watched the most. Why? Because people are trying to figure this out. How do I get a rhythm to my romance? And a guideline, just something to think about, two date nights a month. Well, I can't do that because you're thinking too elaborate about it. Like you're trying to do date night and we got to go to Ruth's Chris and we got to get a babysitter and we got to get two because we got so many kids. And and, no, 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 listen, (laughs) you're overcomplicating it. Do you remember when you were broke and you couldn't afford Chris's Ruth? Right? What did you do? You invited you invited your, your, your girlfriend, boyfriend over to the house. You sat down. One of you fixed dinner. And you just like watched a movie. Like when you couldn't afford anything else. When, when I was so broke as a college kid dating uh, Hope and, uh, that, that, that our dates were church. I would drive up. She lived like an hour away from me. Her dad was a pastor. I would drive up Sunday morning because I wanted to see her, and I would go to church in the morning, and their church lasted a lot longer than our church. But we would go to lunch and thank God for a future father-in-law and mother-in-law who would pay for my meal because I didn't have food. Like, I didn't have money for that. I barely scraped enough to get the gas up there. But, but and then, and then I'll go to the, we'd go back to the church, and I'd sleep on the pew of the church, and then we had church that night. You believe that? church twice a day right anyway and then we would go out again and usually they like pay for my meal again it's a free date some of us here listen i'm gonna give you the best advice i'm just gonna be real this morning i'm gonna give you some great advice if you're a parent pop some melatonin gummies in those kids put them to bed and you get on the couch with your spouse turn on netflix and chill Did pastor just tell us to drug our kids? I did! (laughs) That's what you used to do. That's what a date used to look like. So put them to bed. Don't turn on the TV and go to different sides of the couch. Don't hop on your phone and stare at Facebook for an hour. If you're going to watch TV, put on something that you both like, cuddle up, and let things go where things go. 
<coughs> Where's the verse for that? Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Exodus 20, verse 14. You must not commit adultery. The best way to not have sex with somebody you're not married to is to have regular sex with somebody you are. <laughs> well, where's the verse? That doesn't sound very biblical. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Read verses 3 through 5, and Paul will tell you if you're married, you got to surrender your body in sexual relations to your partner so that Satan does not get a foothold in your life. That's biblical? Yes, that's biblical. You gotta have rhythm to your romance. You gotta build up and stoke the fires of passion in your relationship. Nobody gets married thinking, like, well, how can I give Satan access to my marriage so that I can increase temptation to the point of no return? <laughs> no. What's the rhythm of your romance? Because you gotta finish strong. That's the goal, right? The goal is not to be some 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 like like there's there there I'm picturing them, there are a couple of married couples who are who are older in my life that I look at and I think you know man they still got some passion for each other like they still kiss like they still hold hands I want to be that and so I got to get a rhythm to the romance I got to get it I got to find the rhythm and listen the only way for you to set the rhythm for your home is to set the rhythm for yourself. Week one, Joshua. We looked at a passage in Joshua chapter 24. It's verse 15. And, and Joshua, Joshua didn't say, as for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. No, no, no. What did Joshua say? Joshua said, as for me and my house. Me, and this is not, this family is not a do as I say, not as I do. We have to live out the things we tell them should matter in their life. We, so so we got to set the rhythm in our routine. we got to make sure God gets his, his slice of the pie first because we want our kids to hit the center of the target, the bullseye, which is the kingdom of God. we got to set the rhythm in our rest because we want to make it for the long haul. We don't want to collapse from exhaustion. And we got to set the rhythm in our romance because this is a team sport, and I want to endure to the end. I want to I want to run the race. Like Paul says in Hebrews or not it might be Paul. We don't know if it's Paul or not. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, he says he says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw off everything that that hinders us. If there's something on your schedule that's hindering you from pursuing Jesus, you got to cast it off and the sin that so easily entangles us. And he says let us run with perseverance. Your your version might say with endurance. I want to run. I don't want to. I don't want to collapse at the finish line. I don't want to get to the finish line and collapse and just be completely wasted. I want to go strong. I want my love for my wife to build over the years. I want my love for my family to build. I want to be stronger than I've ever been as I live and 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 and, and run in rhythm. So if you want to future-proof your family, you got to find a rhythm you got to find your rhythm. I can't tell you what it is, but I know three things that need to be in rhythm. Your routine, your rest, and your romance. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, that, um, that sometimes you speak so practically in our life, and you talk about things like what time are you getting up, what time are you going to bed, how much rest are you getting. 
Are you, are you and your, if you're married, you ask us questions, God, like if we're married people, you ask us, hey, how, how are things relationally between you and your spouse? Are you spending time together? Are you going out? Are you, are you intimate with each other? Lord, those are, so many people, God, think that this is all just about this, like, uh, feeling, and it's, it's, it's outdated, and it's not relevant to our life, but God, all of those things are, are so meaningful and purposeful. Lord, you really do make our lives better, and you really do make us better at life. If you're here today, here's, what I, here, here's how I'm going to pray for you. Here's how I want to pray, and then we'll wrap up. If you're here and you say, I need to find my rhythm, there are some things, as you, as you, as you were preaching, Pastor Josh, there are some things that the, the Holy Spirit began to just drop into my heart that are out of rhythm. They're out of time. They're out of sync. I need to, I need to get them on rhythm. If the Holy Spirit started dropping that in you, would you just raise your hand? Just, just pick. It's just an acknowledgement. I'm not going to come by and give you the mic and say, "Hey, why don't you tell everybody in the church what the Lord spoke to you?" No, no. I just. It's a way for you. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's just thinking about what God's speaking to them themselves, right? And so it's an acknowledgement. Yes, Lord, I heard you, and I'm responding to you. That's that's what raising your hand is in this moment. It's just, yes, Lord, I heard you. And I'm responding. I'm not saying you got the answer or the solution or the fix, how to get it in rhythm. We're going, to, we're going to talk about that here in a second. I'm just asking if during the message today, the Holy Spirit dropped something and said, hey, hey, that's out of, that's out of rhythm. That's what he's talking about right now. And, and, and it might not have been anything I said. A lot of times the Holy Spirit will do that. He'll say something to you and you'll come and tell me or Pastor Ryan and we'll be like, I, I didn't say that. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. If he drops something in you, this morning that you need to get in rhythm. Just acknowledge that by lifting up your hand. So I want to I pray for you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is just inviting the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and bring you into the pace that he's laid out for you. That's all the prayer is. That, that you would be faithful to hear the beat and the cadence of the Holy Spirit. And you would get in line with the rhythm he has for your life. If it's routine, if it's rest, if it's romance, there's a beat, there's an ebb, there's a flow that he wants you to get into so you can move to the pace and the rhythms he set out for you. And you can finish strong and you can future-proof your family. If that's you, just pray this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, show me the rhythm." you want me to live. Pull me in to the pace that you want me to walk. Give me the wisdom like you gave Solomon to see areas of my schedule that need to be adjusted, areas of, of my rest that need to be adjusted, and the rhythm of the romance that needs to be adjusted. I open myself up to you, Jesus. I will follow whatever you say. If you prayed that prayer, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit over the next, I believe over the next week, you're not going to get it all solved, but over the next week, he's going to start highlighting and showing you things that are out of rhythm 
And he's, he's not doing that to make you feel guilty, but you just prayed and invited him to do it, and so he's going to show it to you. And when he does, you just respond with, yes, Lord, what do you want to do about that? What do you want me to do about that? How can I pull that in? Give me the wisdom to know how to get it in tune and in time with you. He's faithful to do that if you'll be faithful to listen. Thank you, Jesus. We want to we walk in step with you. In your name we pray. Amen.